everybody. This is John Narsh, your host or co-host, should I say, of Trading Perspectives. And as always, we have our other co-host, Sam Clement. Sam, say hello. Hey, John. You doing okay today, Sam? I'm doing wonderful. And now, as we record here on Friday, I've got to ask Sam this. You got big plans for the weekend? Uh, not right now. Really? What about you? Uh, not it's too much. Go where the wind blows. Well, you know, on Friday nights, I typically go over to my parents' house. My parents are not getting any younger like I am, so we enjoy hanging out. They fix me uh, a cocktail, and we call it Friday Fun Night with Gone Pops. Because my mother, that's what my nephew is now 28, named her. So in any event, I'll probably do Friday fun night with Gone Pops. Maybe watch the Army Navy game tomorrow in the rain, and uh, and that's about it. I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah, it should be all right. It's always kind of one fun of the to better watch. rivalries. Yeah, it is one of the better rivalries. Now maybe the best. That's five hours around know. here. That's kind of tough. That's even as tough. an Auburn fan, yeah, come on, that's I'm a little tough. I don't, know. I don't know. The quality of play might not be as high as it is in sure. the SEC championship game, but it's still a fun thing to see. I mean, the core cadets and and um, or midshipmen, it's it's fun. But in any event, uh, Army Navy game aside, you know, obviously this week and really for the last, since the beginning of October, uh, we have seen a ton of volatility in the in the investment markets, and that's really the, the primary question I've been getting. I know you've been getting is just what in the world is going on here? Uh, I don't get it. And so, Sam, I mean, what are people asking you, and how do you respond to that? I mean, you kind of summed it up. I mean, I'm getting little questions here and there, but I'd say I get that question every single day. What's going on? <laughs> what's it going to do? Some sort of what's going on in the economy. You know, and, and people I know, and our clients and people that I, I speak with, I'm sure that they're getting very tired of the same old salt that I've been giving them. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better until it gets worse. And I, I tell people this because when you take a look at a lot of the information that's going on, a lot of the economic activity, um, it seems as though there's a there's almost a divorce between perception of reality and what reality is itself. More so than what I've seen at any at any time in, the, in at least over the last decade. This this wide between reality and perception. And I got to tell you, Sam, I think a lot of it is just due to folks understanding that we are very far down the path in terms of this economic cycle. Sure. And also understanding we are, we've had a lot of good years in a row about uh, with positive returns in the S&P 500, or at least not an awful year in the S&P 500. Yeah. So I've been getting the questions. I started getting the questions last year, even before all this wall of worry and what have you. How much longer can this last? How much longer can this last? And so I think, you know, with that, with investors starting to feel that way last year, particularly after the non-volatile year that we had last year, just put a dollar in and get, yeah. you know, dollar 20 out at the end of the year with no upside and down, without, without any downside, just one, one way it was going last year. So this year, all of a sudden, you know, it hadn't been quite as easy. A little bit of volatility until we get to October. You know, I've talked a little bit about the rebalancing that active, uh, mm -hmm. actively managed mutual funds do around this time of year. I've talked about that. But then there are other little things going on there. The other bricks in the proverbial wall of worry, as you've heard me call them. Right. What's going on with Brexit? You know, what's going on with um, trade wars with, with China? What's going on with, I mean, shoot, even, my, even immig immigrant uh, caravans. I mean, just there's no shortage of negative headlines. And everyone's just heightened sensitivity right now with how long we've been on this positive streak. Yeah. You know, the longer you get, the more likely people are, think the next recession's right around the corner. So people are going to be looking at anything, any big dip. Oh, is this the turn? Is this the market turning? Well, and I've got to tell you, I mean, you know, you know this. Uh, we've talked about this. People love to be pessimistic. 
I mean, whether they realize it or not, people generally, a lot of people are just generally pessimists by nature. It's more interesting to read about the worst case scenario than it is to read about the best case scenario for a lot of folks, which is why we see all these negative headlines all the time. The news isn't all that bad. Right now is a wonderful time to be a human being walking around on this planet. I mean, there's just... Best that, time ever. Best time ever. We've talked about that in the past. However, and I've, I've used this analogy in the past, you sell more umbrellas when it's raining than it is when it's sunshine. Right. So if they're trying to sell ad space, they're trying to get clicks, likes, and shares, it's much better to go with the mental candy like football or entertainment, or if it's got to be news, go with something that's so salacious or, salacious or negative that people got to click on. It's almost like catnip. So we have a ton of those headlines going on here, but in terms of volatility, in terms of the markets, all that stuff, we've had all these bricks in the walls of worry. And then I've made no secret of it, you've made no secret of it. The biggest threat in our opinions, I believe I'm speaking for you, has not been necessarily trade wars with the Chinese. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be careful here. I don't think that's necessarily good for economic activity. Uh, Brexit, I think in five years time, whatever happens, we'll go, why are we so worried about that? That's my personal take. Um, the biggest threat to the U.S. economy, and therefore I'd, I'd say the global economy still has been the Federal Reserve. Right. You know, just how aggressive are they going to be in in, in tightening in tightening the money money supply? And we've mentioned here before, and I've I've, I've written about it in Common Sense, our blog that you can find on the Thought Leadership tab at OakworthCapital.com, that it's just it's not just raising the overnight lending target. You know, that's what gets that's what get the headlines. You know, Fed raises rates, Fed's been raising rates, Fed blah, 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 yada, 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 if you remember Seinfeld. Do you remember Seinfeld? I did. I love Seinfeld. <laughs> there, there you have it. But it's also been that they've been draining money out on the back end, what they call Q2. QT, right. some people, quantitative tightening by selling off their off the all the treasuries and other securities on the Fed's balance sheet and taking and selling those off and getting cash back in return. M2. The money supply, the most actively, the most normally used measure of the money supply, has been growing at an increase. It has been growing at a decreasing rate. Right. I mean, we were in a period of quantitative easing, kind of the opposite of what you just said. Yeah. For how long? I mean, it was a long time. <laughs> it was a long time, and so the Fed blew up its balance sheet to four trillion bucks or something like that, and that's what a lot of people don't appreciate quite as much. We didn't have a ton of volatility over the last decade because the Fed was going out of its way to ensure that we didn't have any volatility. Because we had so much, obviously, in 2008 and the first part of 2009. Right. We, we, we gave ourselves all this medicine, kind of dumbed us down. Imagine drinking a bottle of Robitussin or something just like, like that. <laughs> Maybe not the best analogy. I've never done anything like that, by the way. I think I knew some people in college that did that. It wasn't me. Um, but you just kind of sit there going, ugh just have all this liquidity, all this money being thrown at you, there's only one way for the markets to go up. Right. Now that the Fed has been kind of draining some of that, we're getting back to maybe more normalized right, a little periods more of volatility, a little bit more neutral monetary policy, which we haven't seen for well over a decade. I, I, Sam, we, we haven't had a normalized monetary policy since you were in elementary school. Right. I mean, so all of a sudden, I mean, it's a lot of guys running, I mean, a lot of guys and girls running trading desks around the country have, you know, we're in junior high, you know, or high school. The last time we had a neutral monetary policy. So we're not, so folks aren't used to this. It's been a long time. It really, so, yeah, it really yeah. does seem like the market's just trying to get its footing right now and kind of figure out what to do with all the tightening going on. With all the tightening going on. But the thing is, you kind of take a look at it. All of a sudden, we haven't had this in such a long time. 
a Fed that's getting to a neutral monetary policy, couple that with the proverbial bricks in the wall of worry or the bricks in the proverbial wall of worry. Something's proverbial there. I'm not sure if it's the bricks or the walls, but maybe they're one and the same. You add all those, all those things together, and all of a sudden we got just a gee whiz. All news is bad news here in the fourth quarter. Yeah, market's taking anything you can to sell off, it seems <laughs> it's, like. It's, you know, it, it takes almost nothing for a 500-point down day. <laughs> this this week has been particularly troublesome. I mean, it, it's, it kind of make you feel like you're a schizophrenic if you do what we do for a living. Monday's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, you know, last week, I mean, Powell came out and said something kind of dovish. Market goes up. Then in Argentina, mm-hmm. apparently, you know, Xi and Trump didn't get into a fist fight. So they didn't get into a fist fight. You know, and so markets rally again on Monday. Huge, oh, yeah, that was huge. Like, um, I mean, it's, it's it's been it's been wonderful. I'm sitting there going, yeah, see what I told you. I told you December's going to be good, and then and then Tuesday rolls around, and it's the complete reverse of what happened on Monday. Trump oversold his plans to go in the G G20, but then also John Williams, who's the New York Fed governor, is out making a speech somewhere, right. talking about maybe we can raise the overnight lending target three more times or something. So about both us. the positive comments that have yeah. come out in the past two weeks were kind of reeled back <laughs> on one day. Wheeled back, and you know there was an inversion in the yield curve between yeah. the two and the five-year note, yep. which isn't the normal inversion that people. No, take we're a not look seeing. At like a very bad inversion no, right now. No, We're not I, seeing the long-term rates. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, so we sent out a piece about what exactly an inversion means, and after the horrible day on Tuesday, Jerome Powell was supposed to be at the Senate on Wednesday to talk, and I was hoping, you know, during the middle of the day, I'm going, thank God, I'm thinking to myself, thank God, at least Powell's going to be in Senate on 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 Wednesday. Right. He'll come in and say something completely dovish if he's smart, and I think he's a smart guy say something completely dovish on Wednesday, and then the markets are closed on Wednesday for day of mourning for, for President, former President Bush. Uh, so we didn't get that. And then yesterday, what did we have? I mean, yesterday, I mean, gee whiz. Yesterday I mean, was wild. I mean, Almost I mean, 800 points down at the uh, peak yeah, and then ending up flat, basically. It's enough to make you, again, reach for the robo. You kinda know? Made, it kind of made me wish I didn't see it at the down 800, because if I would have just looked at it at the end yeah. of the day, would have been fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, just uh, it, but you, just sit another day. you see this wild, wild run. And then this morning, you know, it's Friday, Friday the 7th of December. Um, the first Friday of, what, 11 or 10 months out of the year, the Bureau of Labor Statistics releases the employment situation mm-hmm. report for the previous month. It's the, the biggest piece of economic data that we get on a routine basis. It is the granddaddy of economic releases. Um, or should I say, in these more sensitive times, it's the grandmother of um, economic crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to cover all my bases. Uh, and it said um, that the U.S. economy created 155,000 net new jobs during the month of November. It was a, it was less than expectations. Less than expectations, not by not by a ton, but it, we did not create as many jobs as the street was anticipating. Right. Uh, but the labor force participation rate stood and stayed it's at flat. Six, yeah, sixty-two point nine percent. Stayed low. You know, stayed essentially flat. You take a look at the rest of the. It's a completely unremarkable report. Completely unremarkable. And I went, thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, you want to see a robust number. It was. A, I mean, you want to see a robust number. It, you know, you want to say 400,000 jobs. However, this was a perfect number for this market on this particular day, and we'll see how the rest of the day goes. Because it was good enough, Sam, 
to suggest that the economy is still in expansion. Yeah, it kind of fits where we yeah, are. Or kind where of fits where we are. You and I think yeah. we are. We are still in expansion. We're still in the seventh inning. We've talked about that. However, it wasn't so robust that all of a sudden, you know, John Williams yeah. on, on Tuesday yeah, is Jerome actually... Yeah, Jerome might have yeah, to reevaluate yeah. re- yeah. his, his comments I mean, he was going to th- make. There's enough in there for the Bears and Bulls. I just want to breathe a sigh of relief going... Okay. That's where these slightly negative numbers can kind of be a positive. Well, that, that's yeah, because yeah, yeah. Uh, this number, uh, I mean, this was perfect for this particular number. I'll tell you what, due to all the uncertainty, bricks, walls of worry, volatility, all that stuff, had it been too robust, market's going to freak out, economy's overheating, the Fed's going to be more aggressive in the yield curve. If it had been flat to negative, we didn't create any jobs or anything like that, or been a 25,000 number, see what's happened, the Fed's already screwed up the economy. Right. Kind of a lose-lose. It was a lose-lose. So, I mean, coming in about 25,000, 30,000 less than expectations, I'm like, golly, I breathe a sigh of relief. Now, obviously, it's a long way to go for the remainder of the day, but we're going to need to have kind of a steady diet of these economic reports through the remainder of the month to get people to kind of go, okay, to get the Federal Reserve kind of people think, okay, the Federal Reserve's not going to, you know, be too aggressive. Right. And Sam, you noticed this yesterday. You're in my office. We're we're on the Bloomberg messing around. What has happened over the last six weeks in terms of – expectations for the Federal Reserve. Oh, I mean, they just dropped tremendously. I mean, for the December rate hike, you know, it was basically guaranteed up 100%, I think, at one point, or 99 or something. Yeah, but, I mean, guaranteed we were going to have a rate hike, and now it's 64, 65%. And this is on That's a little better than a coin flip. Yeah, a little bit better than a coin flip. But not enough to be just superbly confident in it. And now they're not even expecting another rate hike all of next year. Well, I mean, at least they don't have anything better than a, a coin flip right. it went, by the end it, of the year. It's it went 55, from, 45% It went from most likely having one next year, that which uh, which month they were going to do it in. But everyone kind of was expecting one rate hike next year, at least. Yeah, so, I mean, and you and I have talked. I mean, and I think maybe even said on trading perspectives. Um, if you would put a couple shots of whiskey inside of Jerome Powell, I think we said fireball, and I said fireball to appeal to the millennials who might be watching this. Uh, but if you had put a couple shots of whiskey in Jerome Powell, he probably would have said, John and Sam, I just really want to get the overnight lending target to 3%. <laughs> I like right? that voice. Isn't that pretty good? Yeah, it's it, pretty it sounds spot like, like I might have had some practice with that, but I haven't, trust me on that. So that Powell and the rest of the Fed wanted to get the overnight lending target at 3%, historically a more neutral posture given the historical rate of inflation. Um, But, you know, right now, in terms of the volatility, in terms of the decrease and the increase, the decrease and the increase in M2, all this stuff going on right there, I could very easily make the argument, Sam, the Fed, if they do anything more than one rate hike from this point, really runs the risk of causing unnecessary economic damage oh i agree and now it's actually i mean i know it's so far out to even really look at this but they're kind of building in a rate cut in 2020 how about that how about that <laughs> it's, it's all, obviously it's, that, a, that a is going to change, change oh, yeah exactly that. but that, i just think that's an interesting look at the timeline that people are putting on putting their money on well so so in terms of the volatility you know what I'm sam I'm, I'm not sure if we're kind of beating around the bush but I've told folks, I said, listen, I apologize about this. It hadn't, it hadn't been fun. It hadn't been fun for us. I'm not trying to be cavalier. These things in the markets can and do happen. We are fully expecting a Santa Claus rally here this year. At the end of the day, stock prices, different returns in the investment markets, come down to corporate profitability. Right. And the economy's strong. Yeah. Economy, I mean, they, I've, heard, I've heard a good comparison of how to look at the market. So 
Say you're walking your dog. You're out walking your dog. <laughs> what's a, what's a, what's some energetic, wild type of dog? But a <laughs> yeah. terrier. My dog is a soon to be 14 year old dachshund that is about. I mean, seriously. So let, let's use fifty percent. Let's use an, let's picture you having like another dog. She looks like Garfield the cat <laughs> going out and walking. My dog's belly's like, dragging. <laughs> I'm taking her out for a drag, or I'm taking her out for a ride. Seriously, in the dog doggy straw that my that my wife bought for her. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's a first world problem when your dog is so fat that you have to buy it a stroller. <laughs> but say you, say you have a new young terrier, new young <laughs> okay. beagle, something like yeah, that. Terrier, huh? You're the economy. You're walking along. The dog's going all over the place, sniffing everything, trying to run backwards, <laughs> trying to run to the sides. But in the long term, the, in the long term, the dog's going to go in the same direction as you are. All right, I was laughing, Sam. Now I'm not laughing any longer. I kind of like it. Yeah. Where'd you I mean, get that? Where'd you get that one? I, I don't know where I heard it, but I mean, it, this is a perfect opportunity to say that you came up with it yourself. Where, so, Sam, wait, let's go back. That's a that's a rewind. On I just it. came oh, up okay. with that on the spot, John. Dang, Sam, that is, man, that's that's spot on. That is what you know. What you should do when you're selling that stuff out of the trunk of your car. Here during the Christmas season, you should, should use bring that, that up. Yeah, I'm not sure if the guys would wouldn't know what you're. Well, I don't about. think the people that are buying TVs out of the back of a truck are really worried about the economy. No. I think those are different subsets. <laughs> you think so? But uh, I don't think they'll be asking me about the yield curve. <laughs> you don't think so? You might be surprised. You might be surprised. So you know, I mean, I think you're right on that. But it does come back down to economic activity, and the economic activity continues to be pretty good. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be good, and there's some, some things out there to suggest that we will have some measure of slowdown moving forward, but in 2018 should be the first year, should be, 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 the first year since 2005 when the U.S. economy had a calendar year when GDP grew in excess of 3%, or 3% or higher. Right. Should be. Best year for economic growth in 13 years, and yet we're climbing this wall of worry because of what might happen in 2019. Now, I don't mind telling folks. I mean, every everyone that I've spoken to are taking these this volatility as proof positive we've got another 2008 around the, around the, around the corner. Obviously, no one can predict the future with, with crystal clarity. No, no, no one can. Well, you and I would not be having this conversation right now if either one of us could be could predict the future with crystal clarity. Right. Um, we'd be doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on the beach. Um, but the the recipe, the brew, the witch's brew, if you will, that was you know cooking in 2007, leading up to the correction in 2008, just simply isn't here. Uh, the financial system is in much stronger shape. Um, in 2007 and 2008, this is getting, this is getting nerdy. Hold on a second. I want after after I tell you after I say this little stat, I want you to rate it on the scale of one to ten on the nerd scale. Okay. okay. What's a, what's a ten on the nerd scale? Super super nerdy. I mean, it, it's all subjective here. I mean, you're trying you're trying to give do give a subjective scale and give it a, you know, some objective analysis. So this is completely subjective. Now, I'm, there you have it. Completely subjective. In 2008, right before the crisis, the loan to deposit ratio, the loan to deposit ratio, at Fed member banks in the United States was in excess of 100%, meaning that the U.S. banking system was completely levered up and then some. 
meaning there was not a lot of excess. There was no margin for error. Right. Absolutely not. Imagine your own personal balance sheet and being so, I mean, being more levered up than your assets. I mean, truthfully, that's, I mean, no margin for error. Compare that to today where that number is closer to about 80%. And the capital ratios are a lot higher. You don't have a Great Depression. You don't have a financial system collapse when the banking system is in reasonably good shape, when the capital ratios are as strong as they are, when there are enough excess reserves out there. So I'm not viewing any slowdown that we have moving forward the same way that you know, you know people want to try to make it out to be 2018. Right. We can certainly have unforeseen events, terrorist activity. We can have, you know, Europe fall apart or something like that. Some exogenous events. But in and of itself, just another 2008. Listen, I don't see it. You know, don't see it out there. This volatility is not reflective of 2008. It's just that we are still scared of 2008, if that makes any sense. Right. Okay. No, that makes perfect sense. Okay, I'd no. give it a seven. Eight. Eight. <laughs> an eight. So, an eight? Eight. Oh, okay. That is pretty nerdy, isn't it? Yeah. And my wife wonders why I don't talk about the job all that often when at the house. I still got a rep to protect at the house. Here, the rep is nerdy. To be the cool guy at the house? Yeah, I try to be, but I'm not. It's just, it's just not my nature any longer. Your thoughts? It's fair. That's not what you're supposed to say. I'm going to give, give that again. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, where are we today? And we are actually kind of running out of time. We are. Uh, how about that? So, I mean, Sam, I'm going to give my, my last thoughts on volatility, then I want you to give your last thoughts on volatility. And I'm going to tell you, gang, a lot of reasons why this is going on. Um, none of it's fun. Some of the headlines are really negative. Um, Federal Reserve remains the biggest threat to the U.S. economy. Hopefully, if we can keep them on the sidelines a little bit, a little bit longer, um, we'll be able to smooth things out. Fully anticipating a little Santa Claus rally here, um, here at the end of the year, and um, we're just gonna have to get used to it, moving a little bit forward, a little bit more volatility than what, in the markets than what we've seen over the last decade. Because, in, because moving forward, instead of the Federal Reserve going out of its way to juice the economy, quantitative easing, zero interest rates, what have you. Right. We move into a more normal monetary policy, going back to the way, way it was run back when Sam was in elementary school. How about that? How about that? Okay, that's my thoughts. Sam, your thoughts. You, 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 you get to close today. Got to have a little stomach if you're going to be putting money in the market. <laughs> Volatility's back. It's a good thing my stomach's as large as it is. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you, gotta, you just got to trust the fundamentals overall and what you're doing while you're investing. Yeah, I agree. So with that, today, I mean, Sam, I'm not sure if we traded perspectives. We shared some. Um, but I think we talked about volatility. Hopefully, hopefully, gang, if, you, if you're listening to this, you can hear, I mean, maybe in our voices, maybe a little bit of optimism, a little bit of optimism that this is not the worst case scenario. Uh, the probable case scenario is we'll get a little bit of rally back. And the probable case scenario is we will continue to have volatility. Maybe not this severe. This is we're getting used to something that we use, getting used to having something that we've had in the past. Right. So with that, guys, thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from our listeners. So if you have any questions or comments, please let us know. You can always send us an email to tradingperspectives at oakworthcapital.com, or you can subscribe. Um, uh, to the podcast outlets of your choice and leave, leave a review there. If you're interested in hearing any more of what we have to say or think, you can always check out our blog, Common Sense at OakworthCapital.com, amongst other nice pieces of information in there underneath the thought leadership tab. So with that, I'm John Norris. I'm Sam Clement. See you next week. Y'all take care.